We are four weeks into our summer series, working our way through the prayer, as Claire said, that Jesus taught us, commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. And if you're unfamiliar with what's going on, um, don't worry, this isn't like a Netflix show or a TV show that if you've missed the previous weeks, you're either going to be really confused about what's going on or you're going to find some sort of spoiler. Don't worry, that's not the case. We want these sermons over the summer to be somewhat standalone. If you're visiting with us, welcome. Or if you're here regularly, um, yeah, we want it to be part of the overall series. Um, a few weeks ago, Ian helped us uh, begin taking a look at the Lord's Prayer by taking some little nibbles at the text, um, helping us think about the one to whom we are praying. That is, if you've got a Bible, um, we're in Matthew chapter 6, that is, our Father in heaven. And then last week, <clears throat> we took a bit more of a mouthful with Ben, uh, as he helped us look at the next few phrases. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, and then what that looks like on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah, and if you are visiting, or if you're joining us partway through, or if you're listening back on the website in 2030, whatever year it is, you can find the rest of these sermons on our website if you fancy listening to them. But this afternoon, we're going to be looking at the next phrase that follows. Give us today our daily bread. It seems so simple. So simple that over the years, people have tried to over-spiritualize this little phrase. Because it seems so jarring and, and bizarre for us to at first be talking in this high and mighty way, talking to God like our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, build your kingdom here, do your will, feed us. One writer puts it this way, Jesus' focus up to this point in the Lord's Prayer has been on the greatness and grandeur of God and yet with the words, give us this day our daily bread, he moves from the clouds of heaven to the trials and the troubles of our dusty streets and dirty kitchens. If verses 9 and 10 are about eternal things, in verse 11 he talks about the normal every day. He moves on to talk about the human experience, the human experience that Jesus himself was so familiar with. And this phrase really is as simple as it might sound. We are simply asking for bread. But in doing so, just think that we're also asking for something so incomprehensibly deep and rich. Because as simple as it may be, just think how important and necessary something as simple as bread is to our everyday lives. It is quite literally the bread and butter of our very existence. And think who we're asking for it from. And so, in our time together, I want us to try and see some of that. I want us to think about what it means and who it is we're asking. And here's where we're going to go, okay? We're going to first see this as a little introduction. We're going to see that we are needy. We are needy children. And then we're going to see that we're needy children of a loving father. And we'll, we'll spend most of our time there and we'll break that down and look at some different characteristics of God as our Father. So first, we are needy children. 
And some of us don't have to think too hard about what it's like to have nothing. Whether that's your experience now, whether you've had times and seasons of that in your life, and it's not certain that those days still won't come to you. But the reality is, we're all needy. And Jesus doesn't just teach this prayer to a particular type of person. He's not teaching it to a particular type of social class. It's all of us. Give us today our daily bread. The opening words of that petition implies our neediness. Give. Give us because we don't have. And we might often use the word needy with negative implications, and I get that. But what I want us to see is that is part of God's design for us as humans. As mere creatures in the world, we rely on God, our creator, for our very being, for our very existence. And that's not just a result of the fall. What I mean by that is, it's not a result of our sinning against God. It's not some sort of punishment. It's the way God made us, and that is a good thing. Because it's a healthy reminder of who we are, who we are not, but ultimately, who God is. We are creatures. He's the creator. He's unlike us. He doesn't get hungry. He doesn't get thirsty. But we do. Our neediness is a humble reminder built into the very fabric of creation for us. The Bible says that he gives us life and breath and everything else. In him we live and move and have our being. We are completely dependent on him whether we want to recognise and acknowledge that or not. We are needy children. So secondly, you might think that was brief, but here's where we're going to spend most of our time. He is a loving father. And what we're going to do is we're going to, yeah, we're going to use this line of the prayer to see three ways in which we see God's father-like characteristics towards us. And it's not as quite as neat as I'd like it to be. Um, so there's certainly going to be some overlap between the points, but I hope you'll bear with me and yeah, you'll see my train of thought. If you've got any questions, um, come and ask me at the end. Um, I'm sure I'll think of an excuse to, yeah, I don't know. First, in this petition, we see uh, the daily provision of a loving father. And bearing in mind the context of where we find this little teaching of prayer, as Claire said, it's right at the start of a sermon that's recorded in the Bible by Jesus to his followers. And Jewish people had come from all over to hear Jesus teach and speak. And Jesus knows his audience. He's a good speaker. He knows their background. And so we shouldn't be too surprised that he bases much of his teaching on the Old Testament, on the Jewish scriptures, on the Torah, as it was called. So this sermon has a fair bit of Jesus teaching and saying, hey, do you know that bit in the Old Testament? Do you know that bit in the Torah that God said X, Y, Z? And then Jesus then teaches on that passage and sheds light on it. Well now, as Jesus walks through the prayer, 
and he teaches them to pray, give us today our daily bread, the Jewish people listening would perk up their ears and they'd go, yeah, God, daily bread. I know that story. And some of you might know that story too. Think back to your Sunday school or your Ignite years. If you don't know the story, I'm going to tell you. Let me just get a drink. So, at the start of the book of Exodus in the Old Testament, which is the second book of the Bible, we find God's people bound up as slaves in Egypt. And that's not where they expected to be. And yet God sees and hears the cries of his people and he, does, and he does a miraculous work to bring them out of Egypt, gets them all out of there, and he promises them their, their own land where they would know him as their God and he would provide for them. And you'd think they'd be all over that idea, right? But very quickly, they were grumbling and doubting and they were looking back on the horrendous situation of slavery that they were caught up in in Egypt. Caught up in is not the right phrase, sorry. But they were looking back on that almost with a sense of fondness. Well, the work wasn't that bad, was it? At least we had food. Was Egypt too crowded? Were the graveyards too full that you've brought us out into the wilderness to die instead? That's the sort of things they were saying. And yet, again, the Lord God hears them. And God says this. In Exodus chapter 16 and verse 4, God says, Okay, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. And the people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. God says, you're hungry. Okay, I'll provide for you. I'll make it rain bread for you. That's better than whatever Egypt can offer you. And he did that, not just for a select few, for his favourites, but for millions of people, for a whole nation. And he did that every single day of the week, bar one, where he says, all right, collect enough for two days and you can rest the second day. God providing for his people daily, for 40 years. And so this story would have absolutely been coming to mind for the Jewish people that Jesus was teaching. That day, hundreds of years later, on the side of a dusty hill in Matthew 6, and all those hearing it subsequently. And again, I know some of you have been doing your Bible in a year or whatnot, and so this story might be coming to mind for you too. But now, Jesus is telling them, Jesus is telling us, you yourselves go to your heavenly father and this then is how you should pray. Give us today our daily bread. Now, with all that in mind, let's actually look at the words of the petition. Give us today our daily bread. And as I was digging through this uh, and getting into it, um, I found uh, an interesting argument uh, regarding the whole todayness, the dailiness of the petition. Give us today our daily bread. Because the word that's used in the original language only appears 
twice in the whole of the New Testament. It's here in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew, but the only other place it is is in Luke's Gospel, where Jesus again teaches the Lord's Prayer. Nowhere else. And people have then struggled to find it anywhere else in other literature outside of the Bible from the time. And that was until fairly recently, it was about 100 years ago, but I guess in the grand scope it is recent, um, when archaeologists discovered some old scrap bits of papyrus paper, that's what they used to write on, reckoned to be from around this time. And one of the scraps is believed to be an early shopping list that contains this word. And in that context, it's used quite informally. So it basically meant, get the essentials, the everyday stuff. It's not the stuff that we indulge in and get as a treat. No, Jesus doesn't say, give us today our daily cake. It's the very first things that you write on your shopping list. For me, milk, bread. And so here, when Jesus tells us to pray, Give us today our daily bread. Hear it like, Father, give us what we need today. Give us the essentials. Give us the bare necessities. And you could pray this prayer in the morning. Lord, give us what we need for the coming day. And that meaning today. You could pray it in the evening. Give us what we need for the coming day. And that meaning tomorrow. Both make sense. Neither are overly presumptuous. Both are humble petitions to our Heavenly Father. And back when Jesus was teaching on this prayer, it was more common for people to receive their wages every day. Whereas, you know, we might receive our salary or our benefits or our pension fortnightly, every two weeks, or monthly. But note again, the prayer isn't, God, will you provide for us until the next payday? He doesn't say, would you give us a lifetime supply of bread? But daily. Every day. And in that, we see something of our Father's wisdom. That's our second little thing. His heavenly wisdom. Because God doesn't just fill up our food and water dishes like you might do when you go away for the weekend and you're leaving the, the guinea pig or the hamster unattended. And you, so what you do is you put three or four days worth of food in it and, and hope that little nibbles or hazel, whatever your hamster's called, doesn't just eat it all in one go. God doesn't do that with us. Instead, he provides for us each and every day. Turn with me, if you will, if you've got a Bible, to the book of Proverbs. If you've not got a Bible, there's no shame in going to get one at the back. Uh, Proverbs in chapter 30. Proverbs 30. And look at verse 8 of the second half of the verse. One of the the writers of this book um, 
I think he gets this. I think he gets something of God's wisdom here. Here's what he says. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only daily bread. Why? Otherwise, I might have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? So this guy gets it. See, he's certainly aware of the danger in his own heart of having too much. And when we have more than we need, we can often just begin to marvel at all the stuff itself. And it won't take us long to lose sight of the one that has given it to us, right? And I guess as well, this prayer can be such an easy thing to pray when our cupboards are full. Give us today our daily bread. And then you go into the kitchen and you open the cupboards or you open the pantry, as some of you call it. And the cupboards are already full. And you go, yes, thank you, God, you provided for me. We'll often sit down at the table for a meal and we'll say, thank you, Lord, for this food. Bless it to our bodies. Once the food is already in the house and prepared and on the table, right? How often do we wake up in the morning and go, God, will you provide for me today? Give us today our daily bread. And I'm not saying that's everyone. But if you would consider yourself fairly well off, brothers and sisters, pay close attention to your own heart. This prayer should still be yours. Give us today our daily bread. And perhaps in this, there's a wake-up call for us. For those of us who have much as we pray, give us today our daily bread, we recognise our own neediness. And the more we grasp that, the more we understand that, the more we can identify with those who don't have much. Consider it. Maybe, just maybe, the Lord has given you and has put you in the position that you are in to be part of the answer to the same prayer for your brothers and sisters who don't have much. Consider it. But the writer here is also aware of the risk of not having enough. Look with me again in Proverbs. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only daily bread. Why? Otherwise, I might have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal. And so dishonour the name of my God. Now, it might seem a bit like he's exaggerating here. Of course, I know, we all know that not all poor people steal. This was a different culture and whatnot. This was a culture where there weren't social benefit systems to support the poor. And we all know the lengths to what we would go to to get what we need for ourselves, for our families. And our Father certainly knows how quickly we will turn away from him when we're left to our own devices. And Jesus teaches us to pray for daily bread. In his wisdom, 
Our Father, our Heavenly Father, provides for us exactly what we need on a day-to-day, hand-to-mouth basis so that each and every day we can experience God's grace anew every morning and so that we might be trained to acknowledge our dependence on him. The Christian believer leans into what he knows to be true about God's character. God, I know you to be a providing God. Would you do that for me today? Would you provide for me? And how much better we can know our Heavenly Father for it. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Now, some might say, oh, well, your God's just a crutch for when life gets hard. Have you heard that? God's a crutch. God doesn't want to be a crutch. God doesn't want to be the rusty crutch that Ben pulled out in Nick's shed last week. God doesn't just exist in our shed or on our shelf for us to pull out when things go wrong. He's our Father. He wants to be there daily involved in our lives. And in that, we see his tender care for his children. That's the last little thing we're going to look at, is tender care. Now, one of the things I've enjoyed about being in a Christian community is experiencing some of the joys of family and benefits of family that I myself haven't experienced. And we can look around the room and we can look further into the world and we'll find all these little pictures that remind us of the fact that we are made in God's image. Little pictures that reflect our relationship with God as our Father. One example, I am so thankful for all the children in our church. Because there's certainly something that we can learn from them about their dependence on adults on their parents right we see families we see mums and dads working loving and providing for their little ones beautiful little gospel pictures but that certainly is not true for everyone and we can look around at the same group of people And further into the world, sadly, we don't have to look that far to see where parents do let their children down. And these can be grim pictures. They can be painful. And they can make us rightfully angry. See, right there, right in the thick of it, right in the mud, we can see a little drop of God's grace. God's grace in that we see the human need. We see our need for something better. For healthy relationships. For a father who won't let us down. 
parents who will be there and provide for our every need, every single day. And people have said pretty unhelpful things to me over the years about what providing for your family looks like. Ewan, to provide for your family, you're going to have to hurry up and learn to drive and get a car. Ewan, to provide for your family, you can't work in a coffee shop. And there is wisdom in some of that. I'm not just trying to throw that off completely, okay? But from my own history, and from, I'm sure many of you, that is not my understanding of what providing for your family looks like at the core. God's provision for us in daily bread is far from being like an absent mother or father who just sends over the maintenance money every month or sends a cheque or some money at Christmas, if you're lucky, but with no real relationship. That's not our father. He's not the sort of parent that's too busy to spend any time with you to hear what you have to say. What does your dad do? Oh, well, my dad is the creator and sustainer and ruler of all creation, and yet he still has time for me. One writer says, The father cares not only for great things such as advancing his kingdom in the world and doing his own will and hallowing his own name, but he cares for the small things such as providing for his children. But what does it look like in the day-to-day normal? It looks like knowing their love and provision for you. It looks like little Harry Vowell coming up to Claire mid-prayer meeting. Claire's in full swing praying on behalf of the staff and praying for you guys. And Harry comes up and says, Mommy, I'm hungry. He's never too busy. It might look like driving by McDonald's. And you say, oh, mum, dad, please, can we go to get some chicken nuggets? Please, please, please. And mum and dad, you know, put their their shoulders back and clear their throat. And they say, we've got plenty of food in the freezer at home. He's a sort of heavenly father that knows what we need. He knows what's good for us. And friends, how much more this should mean to us, considering the cost of living crisis that we're about to come into? It's a parent's joy to take care of the needs of their children. Christian, your Heavenly Father loves you. He really does. A great missionary to China came to understand something of God's tender care for his children from his own experience as a father. You can ask me later who it was, but in one of his journals, he writes this. I am taking my children with me, and I notice that it's not difficult for me to remember that the little ones need breakfast in the morning, dinner at midday, and something before they go to bed at night. Indeed, I could not forget it. And I find it impossible to suppose that our Heavenly Father is less tender or mindful than I. 
I do not believe that our Heavenly Father will ever forget his children. I am a very poor father, he writes, but it is not my habit to forget my children. But God is a very, very good father, and it is not his habit to forget his children. Jesus says later in the Sermon on the Mount, in chapter 7, Which of you, if your son asked for a bread, asked for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asked for fish, would give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? But there's an overriding question here. And I want everybody to perk up your ears and listen to this. If you've got notes, open them in front of you and look at everything you've just written. If you've not been listening, don't worry, the points are behind me. Look at all these things. Can all these things be true for us without Jesus? Can we truly experience the love and favour of our Heavenly Father, God, in our lives without Jesus? His daily provision, His heavenly wisdom, His tender care, Can we truly call ourselves children of the living God? Can we call this God our Heavenly Father? God's word's clear. The Bible's clear. We cannot be called children of God except through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, for all intents and purposes, the truest child of God, has made a way for us to call his Father our Father. All the good things we receive all come through him. We looked at the book of James a few weeks ago. The author of the book of James writes, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He does not change as ebbing and flowing as our own relationships with our parents may be. God doesn't change. Friends, the evidence of God's unchanging care for his children is sat at the right hand of the Father right now in the person of Jesus Christ. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, who claimed to be the very bread of life, he provides for us the absolute things that we need. The absolute essential things that we need being complete forgiveness and a right standing before God, so much so that we can call him Abba, Father. We can call him Dad. And I'm going to invite the band back up now. And we're going to sing, but I just want to read this to you. All of this 
is why the Apostle Paul can say later in the New Testament that he has learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Paul says, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. On that note, let's stand and we're going to sing two songs. We're going to sing All I Have is Christ and then we're going to sing Good Old Belter, Great is Thy Faithfulness, a song that's says something and, and helps us worship God for his faithfulness to us. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, your hand has provided. Let's stand and let's sing.